Hello, and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Eglash. This podcast is co-sponsored by the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health, as well as the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is an international organization of physicians dedicated to the promotion, protection, and support of breastfeeding and human lactation through education and research. Our goal for this podcast series is to help you manage clinical aspects of breastfeeding medicine. We also hope to keep you updated with current research that may impact practice management. Any advice or recommendations in this podcast do not reflect official policies or views of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Today we're going to talk about vitamin D and breastfeeding. I have with me today Dr. Carol Wagner. Dr. Wagner is a professor of pediatrics at the Medical University of South Carolina in the United States. She's a board-certified neonatologist and pediatrician with great interest and experience researching vitamin D in association with pregnancy and lactation. Welcome, Dr. Wagner. So let's first talk about why babies who are breastfeeding should receive vitamin D supplementation. Okay, well, thanks, Anne, for inviting me. And uh, to answer your question, breastfeeding babies uh, should be taking vitamin D from really the first few days after delivery. Uh, this is is really um, a recommendation that's in response to the fact that uh, the vast majority of women um, in the United States and really in many countries throughout the world are vitamin D deficient. And if a mom is vitamin D deficient herself, the amount of vitamin D that's transferred in her milk to her breastfeeding baby is really minimal. And that sets up um, a significant risk of vitamin D deficiency in her baby. So that is why the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a recommendation in 2008 that all breastfed babies, starting the first few days after delivery, be supplemented with 400 international units of vitamin D a day. So the diet is not the natural source of vitamin D. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, we we get about uh, less than 10% of our vitamin D in our body comes from our diet. The, the main source, really the only source of vitamin D, unless you take an, an oral supplement, is sun, sunlight, sunlight exposure. The sun hits your skin and you have a photochemical reaction where vitamin D is made in your skin, it's then transported to the liver and converted to 25-hydroxyvitamin D, which is really that form of vitamin D um, is the form that um, we measure in the blood and that tells you what your vitamin D stores are. And then that particular um, pro-hormone is converted to the active form of vitamin D, the active form of the hormone, or the active form of vitamin D is, is the hormone 125-dihydroxyvitamin D. We used to think that it was made just by the kidneys, but in fact, every cell in the body has the ability to convert 25-hydroxyvitamin D to 125. Interesting. And what happens with babies who are vitamin D, de- D deficient? What's the risk for them? 
Well, the main risk which we've known for decades, really for centuries, is that if uh, a growing infant is vitamin D deficient, that they're at significant risk of developing rickets, which is um, osteomalacia is another word for it. So thin, thin bones um, that can't support the skeleton, so you get the classic bowing of the legs and craniotabes, which is the open fontanelle in the head, and rachetic rosary in the rib cage. Uh, we used to think that was the only um, effect of vitamin D deficiency, but in fact now we understand that vitamin D uh, has many more profound effects, including uh, an effect on our immune system, uh, immune function. And it explains why people who are vitamin D deficiency are Correction, sorry. It explains why um, people who are vitamin D deficient in their childhood and late teen years are at risk for a number of long latency diseases, autoimmune diseases, uh, certain cancers, um, diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, a host of, of diseases that are now associated with vitamin D deficiency. Oh, it's and very important. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's important not only for the breastfeeding baby, um, but for all children and for all individuals. So, how long do you recommend that babies be supplemented with vitamin D? The recommendation really is uh, throughout childhood, and the way our current lifestyles are, if you're getting very little from your diet and you're not going out in the sun, then you're by definition going to be vitamin D deficient. If you were to go outside in the sun and and really got enough sunlight exposure um, year-round, so if you lived at the equator, you could certainly make enough vitamin D. But we know there are certain risks associated with prolonged sunlight exposure, photoaging, and certain skin cancers. So we now advocate either not going out in the sun or using sunscreens, which completely will block your synthesis of vitamin D. Ah, that's good to know. So for nursing moms, is it possible that they could take enough vitamin D to supply enough vitamin D in their breast milk for their babies so the babies don't need to be supplemented? Well, that's exactly what we think, but it's still being tested experimentally. We did a pilot study that was published in Breastfeeding Medicine in 2006 and what we showed was, in fact, if you make mom replete, she has great levels of vitamin D in her milk. And it is actually the vitamin D that's the most important in transferring into the milk, more so than the 25-hydroxy vitamin D. And the baby, the recipient babies have excellent levels. And we're now testing this um, this idea, this premise, um, in a much larger study that's taking place in Charleston, South Carolina, and in Rochester, New York, um, and the results of this study, um, we have um, another two two years before the results of the study will be available. And when you say replete, for people out there who are actually testing vitamin D levels, my at my lab, for example, it's between thirty and eighty. Is there sort of a more narrow range narrow range that you think is more ideal? So that's level? really that's a really good question. So there are two two issues. One is depends on what um, um, measure unit of measure um, 
So in the United States, we tend to um, report uh, 25-hydroxyvitamin D in nanograms per mL. But if we go across, for example, into Canada, we you'll see laboratories reporting nanomoles per liter, certainly in Europe. So when you t- what so the range that you gave, 30 to 80, it's really it's a, 80 is definitely um, on the low side. It's it's been shown to be up to 100 nanograms per mL. And if you want to then convert that into nanomoles per liter, you multiply that number by 2.5. Um, so, for our moms, so we're saying that the bottom of being replete is 32 nanograms per mL. So that's that's really what we consider um, the on the edge of insufficiency. We we're now most most um, people in the field of vitamin D research and um, would consider. Uh, less than 20 nanograms per mL to be frank deficiency, and between 20 and 32 nanograms per mL insufficiency. So clearly, if your level is 33, you don't have a lot of reserve, and during the winter months, your your levels are probably drop. Your level would drop um, into the low 20s. Um, so for a woman who is breastfeeding her baby, what we see is that in order to have enough uh, vitamin D in her milk, her level should be in the high 50s, low 60s um, to be able to have enough transfer to her baby. Uh-huh. And so, and if you look at the pharmacokinetics of vitamin D, um, that would be around 6,400 international units of vitamin D3 per day. Great, Which that's good to know. And if you look at what's in the prenatal vitamin, it's 400 international units a day, which is really an inconsequential amount. Because if you think about it, on a per kilogram basis, we're giving um, our newborns who might weigh three kilograms 400 international units. Now, you might have a mom who weighs 60, 70, 80 kilograms, and she's getting the same 400. And if you look at it on a per kilogram basis, it's really trivial. Right. And so... Um, and that's that's really the basis of the recommendation. And if a woman has um, a higher body mass index or BMI, then she needs even more vitamin D because the fat stores um, the vitamin D and it becomes um, unavailable in the circulation. Oh, interesting. And what are the benefits for vitamin D for mom and or for that matter for any adult? Well, it appears certainly... Um, what we've known for for decades is that if if you're vitamin D deficient, you're at greater risk of osteopenia, osteoporosis, um, so um, bone problems. And um, we also know that in terms of uh, long latency diseases and even acute infections, um, vitamin D deficiency is associated with So seasonal flu, for example, has now been linked with vitamin D deficiency, um, cardiovascular risk. Um, Your ability to perhaps, um, if you have cancer, fight, um, you know, to be able to um, mount an immune response um, during the process of being treated for that. Um, And, you know, some certainly autoimmune diseases. Um, Now, whether or not if you've been deficient for years 
And if you then are diagnosed with um, an autoimmune disease, does it mean that you can completely reverse it? There's some suggestion that um, certainly best known in multiple sclerosis, um, that which has we've long known has had a geographical um, or geographic uh, distribution, that it appears to be um, that the the relapse of the episodes of MS seem to be less if if um, that individual is replete. So to answer your question, the benefits of vitamin D, bone calcium metabolism, improved calcium absorption from your gut, and imp- imp- improved uh, immune function. Those would be my answers. Great. And one last question. Um, I see a lot of specialists providing ergocalciferol, which is the prescription vitamin D in large doses, for people who are low. But my understanding is that vitamin D3, which is available over-the-counter in the United States, is perhaps better absorbed than ergocalciferol. And so if you have a patient who's deficient, whether it's a child or, well, let's say an adult, uh, would you prefer that they up their vitamin D3 or prefer that they uh, become replete with ergocalciferol? Well, you know, I think that's, that's an, an interesting question. It seems like there's some individual variation. Perhaps there's some genetic kind of um, differences between people in that. Uh, ergocalciferol will certainly raise your 25-hydroxy um, D levels and will, um, you know, will are known to make someone who's deficient replete. Um, it ergocalciferol is the plant form of vitamin D, and we as mammals make uh, cholecalciferol. So the backbone of that is 7-dehydrocholesterol, so the cholesterol, and um, it does appear that um, vitamin D3 is better absorbed than vitamin D2, but for for individuals who um, are very, very deficient, to give the 50,000 international units weekly for six weeks, um, we'll typically take people up into, you know, we'll get their levels up. The biggest mistake that I see is then um, after they complete this regimen to put them on 1,000 international units as an adult, um, which really is almost, again, almost as much as a, if you look at it as a per kilogram basis, irrelevant um, dose. So after someone who's been deficient, um, they may need, most likely they're going to need 4,000 international units a day. Um, and perhaps in the summertime, if they go outside some, you could drop down to 2,000 international units a day. And, and again, checking levels to assure that, that they are replete, I think. At this juncture, where, where we don't know, I mean, we haven't really studied hundreds of thousands of individuals. I think that's important. Would I be upset if I had a level of 80? No, not at all. Would I be upset if I had a level of 15 or 20? Yes, absolutely. And there are forms of vitamin D3, so cholecalciferol. Um, it's now some companies are making the 50,000 international units available in vitamin D3. So um, you can find that on the Internet. Um, but there are some, some companies that, that are doing that. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredibly informative and uh, interesting. And uh, thanks again for joining me on this podcast for today. Well, absolutely. My pleasure. And we hope to give you some updated information in a year or two. Thanks. 
If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frank, med.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.